What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Middle cough. Hey, hey. Big Dan, the podcast, John. This is an interview podcast. We don't do a lot of podcasts that are just the interview, but we did a big interview with your guy, good get, good book, Lewis Riddick. And so that's what's coming up on the show today. <laughs> Does you know the, the booker, we, we've dealt with a lot of them. They they like to get a lot of credit. And they get very, very angry. When you just act nonchalant about it, it's weird. Like on the other side, like I don't even care. Right. You know, you, you know, when we get people to come on, it's like whatever. But when they're in that role, Derek Papa, they take <laughs> a lot of pride on Chris Ball. On the hustle. When you don't give them the respect times one million for their, uh, for their services of sending a text. And listen, it's not, it's not easy necessarily, especially in their spot when they don't necessarily personally know them. But God, they get their uh, they get their panties in a bunch fast sometimes. Well, those guys hustled for us. Remember, our boss at the time, Jason Barrett, was very. He would like reward pay them. He was the program director. I think he had like a, a basically a uh, what's it called? What did Greg Williams do? Uh, oh, bounty, a bounty, like for the best yeah. guest booking. So it was a. Yeah. It was. It was like I think you got like a huge uh, couple hundred dollar gift certificate to go eat or something. Something like that. Because it did. We, we had Terrell. Radio. We had Terrell Owens on one time, and we did a twenty share and finished number one in the market. Yeah, it changed Radich. everything. I like Gary Radnish, but we kicked his ass that year. Month. <laughs> month. <yeah>. That month. <laughs> month. <laughs> so we got month. Lewis Riddick. Uh, for people that don't know, you worked with Lewis in the Eagles front office when you were a scout. And uh, we talked to him on Wednesday night. And uh, yeah, anything else we need to say before we uh, set it up? No, I mean, he's just interviewing for general manager interviews, and he's uh, calling an NFL playoff game. So that was timely. Yeah, it was very timely. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it's coming up. Podcast brought to you by Ease.com, promo code HAM. 
Use that com promo code HAM or promo code HAM10 if you're a returning user. Yep, E-A-Z-E dot com. Go check it out. Tell your friends. Promo code HAM, number one cannabis delivery, legal in California. You know it. They deliver it to your house, to your condo, to your apartment, wherever you live, all over California, topicals, edibles, pre-rolls, weed, you name it, you name it, E-A-Z-E dot com, promo code HAM, or for our returning users, HAM10, get yourself a little 10% haircut. Just got to be 21 or over. You get verified online in minutes. Then you start shopping. Gets delivered to you in a, like within the day. Sometimes 90 minutes or less. Sometimes way less. Ease.com, promo code HAM, or promo code HAM10. Do it now. Tell your friends. All right. Lewis Riddick. Oh, by the way, don't forget, getting our DraftKings game. We Saturday's game is full. Sunday's game. Uh, we got some spots in that one. It's only the three games that are going to happen on those days. So Sunday should be fun. Yeah, get on it. Do it now. We're in both. Do it. Can I ask the first question, John? Cool. Yeah, go ahead. Do you recognize this person, Lewis? Do you know this person? Oh, that was before. That was before. Like he he got exposed to all those gamma rays and his hair fell out. Yeah. Is that the best guy you've ever been around? <laughs> no cough. Yeah. You know what? I, I will have to say this. You know. He was all right. He he tried to work hard. He just he just you know he just couldn't keep Grigson happy. That's what happened. We drove him right <laughs> in the fucking radio. <laughs> you you know that I think you did a game this year with uh I, what team I don't even know what team Sunday is Sandejo an Eagle. What team Sandejo on? He's with the Browns. I hear yeah, a lot so about he Sandejo. was a Monday night game, and it was like I was waiting to be like I remember when this dude Middlecom. <laughs> came into my office and said, there's this guy playing in this league I've never heard of, and he's making plays, and he's like Andrew Sandejo. And then a decade later, I don't know, he just played for Mike Zimmer, Doug Peterson, Stefanski. Yeah, he played, he's played for everybody. Yeah. Fact, <laughs> he's not bad. He's not, he's not bad. Actually, in that Monday night game, he lit up J.K. Dobbins on a two-point play and knocked himself out. He had a concussion. You, you regret but not I, listening I, to me I on that one? On TV, I, I was like, holy how? I mean, he came out of nowhere. He hit him, boom, and then you just saw him on the ground like this. <sighs> he was out. <laughs> that was so Monday night, right? Out. Baltimore, oh, yeah, Cleveland. That was, that was Cleveland, Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was a crazy night. Yep. Oh, that was a great. That was, a, that was our best game. That was the best game of the year. Easy. It was pretty sweet. Yep. This week's we'll game, potential. We'll game. Yeah. What game do you have this week? Baltimore at Tennessee. 10 a.m. on ABC. There you go. I'll be the highest rated game of the weekend. It's a great game, and it's on ABC. Yeah, we'll get close to 20 million people for that game. Have you already been watching the guys or both teams? Yeah. Yeah. Give us your early take. Well, Tennessee's, what are they, number two or number three scoring offense in the league? But Tennessee has a 2,000-yard rusher, a 1,000-yard receiver, and another guy who's like 16 yards away from 1,000 yards with A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. Um, Tannehill's on fire again. Arthur Smith is one of the best play callers in the league. Their best offensive lineman is not even playing, Taylor Owen. The problem is with Tennessee is their defense is awful. It's, it's one of the worst in third downs, one of the worst in the red zone, one of the worst in points per game. They're predictable. They can't rush the passer, and they're not good cover man coverage people. Although that's what they have, that's what their best trait is. 
So they're going to score a ton because they're going to have to. But they but they own Baltimore right now. Baltimore should Baltimore one through fifty three is a better team. Baltimore can't figure out how to beat them. So there's a psychological factor. Plus, there's the whole you know Vrabel versus John Harbaugh thing. It's a real chippy thing. I mean, it, it's going to be that. That's why this game has so many different storylines. I think this time, I I, I don't know. I, I'm going to give Tennessee the benefit of the doubt just because I mean they're playing them down there at their place, playing them on grass. They're I mean they, those guys just look good. They just have they just find ways to beat Baltimore. They just do. When they beat them last year, their defense was better, though, right? Yeah. Or it was playing better. Up, I think they were up two scores on them this year in Baltimore. Yeah. And him, Derek, Derek came back and he won the game in overtime on a run. Yeah, I remember that. 45-yard run. That was the game A.J. Brown carried like 18 people into the end zone. That was a game when Harbaugh tried to kick Vrabel's ass before the game and Vrabel told yeah. him, like, calm down, buddy. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yep. Our boys are a little nuts. Are you on yeah. any? Uh, what's your What's your plan for Monday for the national championship game? Are you just watching? I'm not, yeah, I'm not doing anything. They're, I mean, they're having a the whole mega cast, just like they're having for our game uh, on Sunday. I mean, we have like seven or eight different variations of the game, and I think they're doing the same. I think they're doing the same thing Monday. So, um, but I'm not doing it. It's just, I mean, I can't even. I'm not even going to be back home until. You know, probably midday. Well, probably like right around noon Monday. I can't get a flight out of Tennessee, so. Um, but that's going to be great. I mean, how about that game almost being postponed? You know, because Ohio State. Yeah. Saban's yeah. daughter was pissed off. <laughs> yeah, she deleted that though. <laughs> she deleted. He nicked me on her you know, quick. You, you know what he did? He told her, "Look, you're doing the exact same thing that Dabo did to Ohio State." Yeah, you know the same thing. Saying you know when Dabo was like they shouldn't even be there. They're going. I'm going to rank them 11. Don't don't incite these guys. These guys are actually pretty good. You watch but, Justin Fields a lot this year? I've seen him. I mean, I've seen probably four or five of his games. Yeah, that game was pretty incredible the other night. I mean, I I, I thought he struggled during the year, but that game was like, damn. He was uh, he was unbelievable. I mean, he's a stud. You can't take a shot in the back like that. I don't care if they numb you up or not. And then come back and play like that. I mean, even if you didn't feel the pain, you would still have flashbacks in your head with how you got hit. And he was showing no fear, and he was throwing just darts all over the place. It was sick. It's one of the best performances. It's one of the best performances you've seen in a high stakes game ever, ever. Period. Yeah. Sure. I mean, and that includes Joe last year when he diced up Oklahoma. So. Yeah. You know, one thing I've talked to Middlecoff about this, Lewis, but like over the course of the season leading up to the draft and into the offseason, there's there's like this it's almost like the draft position. Uh, uh, it moves around. And Trevor Lawrence yeah. has been the clear cut number one. And Justin Fields was the clear cut number two. But then Zach Wilson, people think that's going to be the second quarterback. And now we're back to Justin Fields being number two. I, I don't know. From the inside, does it move like that when you guys are in front offices? Is your board moving like that, or are you waiting until now and the end of the season yeah. and the combine and the workouts? And do you have a feel for where those guys are in, in your mind right now? Yeah, you know what? It, it may be moving in people's heads. I mean, they won't necessarily reflect it on whether. You know, I mean, most boards are virtual now. They're not really hard boards like they used to be. But yeah, I'm sure there's. You know. There's people who get a little bit more emotionally involved and kind of go game to game just like the everyday fan would. 
And then, but the key to scouting is kind of like we used to always talk about is really just about coming up with the aggregate, taking it all in, and then kind of really formulating what is a reasonable opinion on a guy. Because this year, if you really did go from game to game, I mean, you'd be like, you'd be all over the place. And you can't, and you just can't do that. Uh, you, you just, I, I think though that the trend has been as the year has gone on that Zach Wilson has moved ahead of Justin because people think that he has maybe more of the intangible competitive characteristics, instinctive characteristics that maybe Justin just hasn't developed yet, especially, you know, when it comes to the finer points of the game where you really, you know, you just need that, that little bit of extra, whatever the hell it is in order to make a play to help your team win. But I think that, see that Justin may have closed the gap on that just simply based off of how he played against Clemson. So let's just say he goes out against Alabama on Monday and he throws, and it's not, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility for him to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns and rush for another one. I mean, we've seen other quarterbacks give Alabama, Alabama's defense is not the Alabama yeah, defense. No. Old. So he could light it up and it could become between him and Mac Jones. It could become one of those back and forths. <clears throat> so let's just assume if he does that, it's going to make people go back and really say, okay, you know, what can we attribute some of his in the year, which there are some. You look at the Big Ten championship game, his thumb's banged up and Olave's not playing. He gets into a rut. Ryan Day says, well, guess what? They can't stop us running the football, so we'll just run the ball down their throat. And that's what they did. So I think there's going to be a lot of study that's going to have to be done on everybody this year in particular for the obvious reasons of the pandemic, but for the quarterbacks also underneath Trevor because of how everybody's season has kind of stopped and started. BYU stopped and started. You know, they substitute opponents there at the end of the season. There's just a lot of things to consider. This is the hardest year for scouts and front offices probably in the history of the NFL. There's just no doubt about it. Because the information I, is so scattered and it's not uniform. So you're going to have to apply different contexts to every team. And that's hard. That's really hard. Which, you know what, really brings you back to this. You have to know you better than you even will ever know the players this year. You have to know what you're able to bring to the table for them, even more so than what you they, they are bringing to you. So the strongest programs, as always, are going to be the best ones. But that's what's going to really make the difference, I believe, in this year's draft class. You remember when Colbert, he had a comment, I think, beginning of the season about he would feel more confident about guys that had played the previous year that opted out. But I I think it also probably rings true because you bring up a good point. If I'm watching Justin Fields, if me and you, if I'm on your scouting staff and we're sitting down there as a group and we flip on Justin Fields week four against whoever, he might not have practiced all week. You know, yeah. or just whoever the guy is, right? They've been virtual. Yeah. How do you even? I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be really hard to judge a guy off a game like you normally would, right? And yeah. that is this year going to be the most misses and slash hits on random guys that probably in a long time. Even the quarterback's probably well, unique, but just the rest of the group. Yeah, it's 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 a year that gives you more risk. There's more risk that you can't minimize because. Than, than, than you've ever been able to, than you've ever had to minimize in years prior because there's just every, I mean, every person's situation from team to team is just going to be different. And so, you you know what, I mean, you're going to have to, you know, just like in scouting, right, and in a normal situation, 
when you're looking at free agents, since I mean that's what you primarily did, right? When you're when you're in house and you're looking at free agents, you have to look at a player's playing history and look at what his status was in each game. As far as is he dealing with an injury? Had he just come back from an injury? Did he, what kind of injury was it? Was it lower body? Was it upper body? Especially when you're because you know how that can affect performance. I, I remember this when I was in Washington and we were looking at. Um, linebackers and it was the year we signed marcus washington i believe to a big free agent contract from the indianapolis colts and seattle had a guy named anthony simmons from clemson an inside backer who is this ridiculously explosive athlete ran he, he reminds you of bobby wagner ran about four four had like a 38 inch vertical all this stuff well our linebacker coach looked at him in a game where he had just come off a high ankle spray so he looks slow we come into we come into the meeting and people were talking about Anthony Simmons, my guy. He's just kind of athlete. Look, I had these plays where he's done this and that. And our linebacker coach is sitting there like, and his face is getting all contorted. He's just like, what film were you guys watching? This guy sucks. He can't run. He has no explosion. I'm going, what? I go, what games did you look at? He's like, you know, weeks 11, 12, 13, you know, Cincinnati, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, he had just come off a high ankle spray. He hadn't played in like a month. You can see him out on the field limping around. He had never looked at that, though. He had never checked that. So if you just take that snapshot, you're going to value him one way. So if you apply that to now, I mean, if you have, I mean, I mean, if you have a kid who, who hadn't practiced and played a game in three weeks and hadn't been able to get on the football field with his teammates and was only practicing virtually, you got to know that stuff. I know. Because if you don't, if you don't, I mean, just think of how the grades could totally alter based off of that alone. It's going to be hard to keep track of all that stuff this year. Exactly. But, I mean, you, you're going to have to because that's your job. I know. Right? I mean, so this you're right. This year, there's going to be some guys spending a lot of time tracking down how much practice the game. It's it's tougher than any, than any year you've ever faced in the NFL. Easy. I, because we all know that context – like for the we talk about the 49ers a ton, Lewis. I think it's why by mm-hmm. the end of the year, Robert Sala is getting so much credit because of the amount of turnover mm-hmm. that they've had, the amount of injuries, and to like every I mean, everybody, star players lose the forest, obviously, in the offseason. It seems like that yeah. context is why he's been getting a lot of credit. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? I mean, obviously, when you're investigating head coaching candidates, I mean, it's inexcusable for you to not have context in just about every conceivable way when you're talking about vetting a head coaching candidate. So you can't just do what, unfortunately, a lot of people do is get up, get out, NFL, go to NFL GSIS and just go, well, just let me show me the top five offenses and defenses by number here. And I just want to interview those coordinators and because they obviously are the best ones. And then you look at San you, Francisco. People do that? <laughs> there's a reason, you know what? There's a reason why there's so much turnover in the NFL. And it isn't because people are always so in-depth about things, right? So, but what, my, my point being this, though, but you're at, what, my point is this, though, you're absolutely right. You have to understand how many people went on IR with this football team. And still, when you watch the way these guys play, especially in their front seven, especially in their front seven, these guys play harder than probably any team. Think of any team that you've seen in the past – outside of last year's San Francisco front seven, any team that, that, that plays. I mean, these, these guys are li- like literally playing every snap like it's life or death. 
And that's a testament to him. That's a testament to Chris Kacerik, the D-line coach. It's a testament to Kyle Shanahan. There's a lot of things that go into that. But I think if you talk to Robert, too, and I've been able to talk to him quite a bit, you understand why his guys play that way and why schematically they're as sound as they are and why you believe that whether it was just whether it was defense, offense, or special teams, people would want to follow his lead. And that's because he's a trustworthy guy. He's someone who you believe he's going to do what he says. He obviously is proficient in the schematics of the game. And he thus has positively impacted guys who really, for many teams, would be practice squad or second, third teamers. They were still competing hard and whipping some people too with backups. So it's like, well, this guy will make me bet. I mean, look what him and, and Chris Kosarek together did for, um, well, one, for as far as Armstead. Career, but Eric Armstead, I mean, Eric Armstead should give half a salary to this guy. Just split it right uh-huh. down the middle. Because he he, he got – and that, that's, not, that's not a knock on Eric, but that just shows you how quality coaching, quality communication, quality relationships can affect someone's performance. I don't care if it's football – if it's radio, TV, personnel, you have great relationships with people like that. They'll find a way to get you that stop on third and one. They'll find the extra player when they're at, you know, Arkansas Pine Bluff in the middle of November and, you know, staying at a red roof inn like Middlecoff used to. Well, actually, he didn't because Grigson wouldn't send him on the road. But Mar- Marriott. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, well, that, that's just so that's so important. John, let's take a break from Lewis Riddick to tell you about mybookie.ag, promo code HAM, and the number one. HAM1, mybookie.ag, HAM1. Uh, If you use that promo code, they'll match your first deposit 50% up to $1,000. Don't forget, if you accept the bonus money, you do have to bet the full amount before you can withdraw your winnings. Full details available on the site, or you can always ask if there's any confusion. You can also decline the bonus, but we appreciate when you use the promo code. Uh, We get credit. I love the game that Lewis is calling this week, John. The Titans game. The Titans game, guy. How about the Titans being a home underdog? MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1. We have six, let me repeat, six playoff games. I Honestly, a little much. You know, I, that means I got to get up. I, I can't be just screwing around on Saturday morning. The game starts at 10. I, could we have done like two afternoon games, staggered it a little differently? But like, beggars can't be choosers. How about this, too? I guess if you're listening, we'll have one out by, by Monday. The Ohio State, Alabama. Just checking that line's eight points. Ohio State, eight points. Honestly, of, a, of the underdogs, I don't really like any of the underdogs in the NFL. I would take Ohio State plus eight before I would take the Washington football team plus eight. How about the over-under in that game? 75. Would you, would you, oh, my God. <laughs> I saw that. I know. That's, a, that's a pretty high. Do you think it's going to hit? I, I would I go under just because it's insane, but I do think it could be a crazy shootout. Yeah, I, I do too. Couldn't you see though? Two very public teams. What would what would you feel like if it's three nothing after the first? I'd quarter? be like, yeah, of oh, course, man. that's what this is. <laughs> yeah, no. Like uh, Zach Wilson, come on down. All right, back to uh, back to Lewis Riddick. Why? Well, I, I got a question for you on the vetting process, and you know, you may or may not be getting asked yep. these questions in certain situations. You know, a lot of coaches. And you've been around as a player and obviously in the scouting community, just in your time in Philadelphia, you're around countless head coaches. And, you know, we're both close, Veach and Andy. They, they've known each other for so long. Mm-hmm. These, these 
GMs in the situation of having to hire a coach, it'd be like getting married without ever really dating. Like it's pretty insane that you hire coaches. Like look at, look at Belichick, his GMs or his right-hand guy. He always, he grooms them. He knows them. He doesn't hire a random guy. How's that even possible? Could you, how, if you became a GM, how could you hire a coach just off two interviews and spending all day and eating dinner and maybe having a cocktail at the end of the night and like bullshit, like how, how could you feel that comfortable on that relationship and the intensity that you, I've been a part of it. I've seen the, the pressure. It's fucking crazy. Like, I don't, I don't see how you could feel comfortable making a hire just off a couple interviews. Yeah. I mean, really, you're just trying to, again, you're, it's, it's, it's kind of like drafting players and like signing free agents. You're just trying to reduce the risk of being wrong because you're never going to reduce it down to zero. So you're going to have to really rely on, the experiences that others have with this individual and people that you trust, obviously the objective data of what's his record and how has he fared statistically given the people that he's had to coach. You hopefully, hopefully have some kind of personal background with the guy and that you have some kind of prior relationship, although it's not necessarily necessary, but you would like to because you know how much time you're spending together you know how much you're really depending on one another. And you hope, hopefully you have some kind of background also because really, John, I mean, it's about the relationship and withstanding the extremes that being a GM head coach tandem puts you through. And that means when you guys are going to hit those inevitable slumps, do you not come apart and start pointing fingers at each other? And the then guy gets in trouble. Hopefully getting it to where you, where you want to. Exactly. And then when you get it to where you want to and you're having success, that you don't then start getting greedy for the praise. And start going, no, no, it was me. No, it's me. No, it's me. Because you know how that happens. I mean, that's human nature. It's human nature to want all the praise and point fingers and give all the blame. And it's hard to figure out whether or not you can trust somebody like that in that short amount of time. So that's why you're hoping there's there's people that can tell you the right information and give you some background you're hoping that maybe you have a relationship and somehow some way that when you do interview them, they authentically, you can somehow just determine authentically whether or not this person is someone who to all the stuff that you're going to have to go through is going to be right there with you in lockstep. And that that's why the best situations are, are the ones that honestly, that people come in together. Yeah. Because when it's, when it's, when it's put together half and half, the guy who's already there is going to protect his turf and the guy that's coming in is going to want to think, you know, most time, more times than not, he's going to think, well, I want to do it my way. And then the other guy's going to want to do it his way. And it's hard to make that marriage. It can, it can, it can happen. But yeah, the, I mean, that, that's why, man, this whole thing, especially with the way it happens now and how fast it happens, th- that's another reason why there's so much turnover because it's, it really is a crapshoot in many ways. Do, do you think so? You, you're in the league. You're in the league for. You play in the league. You're you're in several front offices. Director of player of pro of a uh, pro scouting or director of scouting. You leave. Yeah. You leave the mm-hmm. front office. You go to ESPN. But you're in the studio every day. You get your cell phone on the desk. You're checking it. Mm-hmm. But you're in the studio. Now you're doing games. You're on the. Mm-hmm. I know this year is weird, but still, you're on the road. You're talking to coaches. You're talking to players. Right, you're talking to two coaching staffs, two sets of quarterbacks, two defensive start. Right, you're talking to all these yeah. guys. 
Like you're talking about, we just saw John Lynch call a Kyle Shanahan game, and like three a month later, he's he's Kyle's GM, right? Um, like, sure. do you think being in this role on Monday Night Football has has changed kind of just the way that? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say your connections because obviously you have a ton of connections from being in the league to begin with. But has being out of the studio changed anything for you for the number, the people, you know, the way you perceive the way the game's being played, all that kind of stuff right now? Yeah, I mean, it, it gives you definitely a much more insightful um, perspective as to what's going on. Sure. I mean, it, it's look, I, I think even if you're not at games, when you kind of get out of it and you're not in it and you're not, you, you kind of get a much more 40,000 foot view perspective, obviously. And you're able to kind of sit back, take your time in a non-pressure packed environment and really study the game and look at it as, you know, from the mindset of, I don't really care who wins and loses here. I just want to see what are the common things about teams that are being good, that are doing good and teams that aren't. And, you know, you pick up certain, certain things because you're still on the phone talking to guys and all, and you're kind of picking up tidbits of information that they'll share with you that they wouldn't share with you if you were working for a team. They just wouldn't. And most times when you're working for a team too, you don't really look at it from a 40,000-foot perspective. If you're an advanced scout, you're worrying about that opponent that week and typing in all these reports. If you're a college scout, you're out on the road, and you're just worried about you know how many draftable seniors do I have to write up when I get back to my hotel the night before I hit the road tomorrow to go to the next school. And the next, you don't want to, next, you don't want to miss a guy get in trouble. Exactly, exactly. So <laughs> my perspective has been was enhanced that way anyway for the first six years at ESPN, seven years. Getting out on the road now and doing games like starting off last year when I did college and you know I was going to you know I was talking to to the people at USC and Colorado and Utah and Texas and all these and then doing Monday night. I mean it's. It's the best. It's, it's really the closest thing you can possibly get to actually be in there. And then you get to watch them practice. You get to ask them detailed questions about coverage schemes and, and uh, game strategies and tactics and clock management and all kinds of stuff. Honestly, I am easily two, three times better now than I ever would have been had I stayed in it. Ever. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me from a football perspective. Easily. And then I've been able to develop relationships. I mean, I have more guys' numbers in my phone now who are head coaches and coordinators than I ever would have had had I been in personnel. Ever. So going into this interview process this offseason, I mean, like right now, all these guys now who are like the hottest head coaching candidates, I have them all on my phone. I talk to them all. I've interviewed them all extensively about things already. Because of our games, whether it be Buffalo, San Francisco, the Rams, you know, Tampa Bay. I mean, all these guys, I, I know them all. And, you know, the other good thing about getting out of scouting for all this, for these years and being in TV now is make a hell of a lot more money than I ever would have been scouting. <laughs> so that's true. not been bad either. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, in all seriousness, though, in all seriousness, every single coach or GM or scouting person who says, who talks about what's it been like to be out, they all will tell you the same thing. It gives you a totally different perspective, and it's always a positive one. Always. Especially if you utilize it the right way. Speaking of the money, Lewis, John was saying, do you have an Aston Martin deal? 
Dude, I'm trying hard to get one. You're manifesting <laughs> this? You know why I put that on there? Because I'm, you know what? Is that what James Bond drives? Yeah, come hell or high water, I'm going to get one. Those things are sweet. Well, you know who had one? Okay, so the owner of the Washington football team used to have one. I don't know if he still has it or not. But he had a he had a V twelve Vanquish. It was that car. I don't think I don't know if that one's the Vanquish or not. But this car has like twenty two inch tires in the back. It's got like six hundred or seven hundred horsepower. It's a six speed semi automatic gearbox, zero to sixty in like three and a half four seconds. It's also a quarter million dollar car. <laughs> so that's that's how much it know. costs. Yeah, it's like two fifty two seventy five. You can afford that. Yeah, good. You know, podcast pay for it. I, I got, I got one, one more serious question. You just talked about <laughs> meeting all these coaches. <laughs> Maybe you can do it. You know, when you become a general manager, because there's a lot of buzz about you. I, what I'm fascinated, of, like when I interviewed in the NFL, it was just inter, you know, you interview with a couple people, you get hired. It's not that extensive. I, I would imagine a general manager interview. What is that like? What is it? How does it go? Yeah, I mean, it's really a. Uh... It's, it's a get-to-know-you session, first and foremost, as far as your background, and you kind of telling it to someone else to where they get a firsthand account of who you are. I mean, in a very quick – I mean, you don't have all day, so you have to tell them a little bit about who you are and where you come from, although they've, they've heard it, they've researched it, they want to hear it from your perspective, why you are who you are from a football perspective and from a personal perspective, and then really, like – what does it take to win in the NFL? Really, just really, what does it take to win, in your view, in the NFL? From a management perspective, from a coaching perspective, from a player perspective, from a culture perspective, from a team-building perspective, what does it take to win? Maybe why hasn't that team won? What would you change about that team? What kind of coach would you go after? Why would you go after that person? What kind of person are they? And you do this all basically from memory. You're not sitting there going through your book going, okay, hold on. Let me get to the page on team building and then read it. I would draft all players who are six. You can't do that. Yeah. It's back. Height, weight, speed, fast, physical, family, football. Yeah. <laughs> God. No, I mean, you, have to, you have to be able to articulate your philosophical approach to team building and character assessment and draft philosophy and free agency philosophy in a very free flowing type of conversation, almost like we're doing right now, except the difference is the person sitting across from you could be, you know, Steve Tish and John Mara and, you know, the New York giants. And then, and then depending upon how you answer questions, they may have a follow-up question on that. And so it's, it, it really, to me, I love the process because it, it's enjoyable to talk about why you believe what you believe about football. And why you feel as though what you, what you believe is something that would translate into into wins in a billion dollar you know organization. So would you say it's high stakes? It's what's that? Sorry, finish. I... No, no. I'm. The, I mean, it's high stakes. It's pressure packed. It isn't all you know. You're not just sitting there laughing and giggling the whole time. But there's some light moments to it too because. I mean, these people and you know are, are men and women who who are human beings too, but. But, I mean, it's deadly serious, and you're trying to do it in a very condensed amount of time. Like right now, when you do it in a – you know, because of all the COVID restrictions and all, you could only do it over Zoom, 
um, before the season ended and it was a two hour limit. So you could, you had to get in a lot of information and have a lot of things, you know, asked of you and you had to explain a lot of things in a short amount of time. Now, you know, in previous years when you could go and visit the teams, I mean, interviews would last anywhere between four or five, six hours. So, I mean, it's, and it's all football and it's, I mean, it's, but, but it's, it's good. It, it really is good. It's, it's a process that I like and I look forward to because I just like, I like talking football and I've been around some real good people that I think I've come to get, you know, come up with a, a pretty good way of, of going about things. And I'd like to see if I could, uh, how successful I could be at it. If it was totally on my shoulders, so to speak, to kind of put it all together. Well, speaking of that on your shoulders, I would imagine it comes up. It definitely always comes up when guys get hired, who has the juice, who has, who doesn't have the juice, how much is them talking about who is the coach you'd want or the list of coaches you want. And then is it discussed? Like, are you comfortable? Obviously the, you know, the coach game day roster draft, ro- how does yeah. that all this stuff come up immediately? Yeah, I mean, those, those, those are, those, yeah. Those are questions that are asked, but you know, my, my philosophy on that has always been, look, if I spent, if I'm going to spend a whole bunch of time about who has control over what, then I'm already focused on the wrong things. I'm not even really focused on the relationship then. I'm just focused on how much power do I have. So when you're really that preoccupied with that, what that tells me is that to me that's a warning sign for myself or if I heard that from someone else that, you know, those extremes I'm talking about where you're going to hit some of those potholes or you, maybe you have a whole bunch of success. Well, to me, that's a precursor for there being some kind of power struggle in those situations. Because you're just worried about that. How about, to me, my focus is always just about, hey, look, I'm big on relationships. You know that, John. I, I'm big on communication, and I'm big on having philosophical alignment with the people, and and I would want to build a football team with someone who generally sees football the same way that I do or I see it the same way that they do, and we can learn from each other. So that's really what I'm more concerned about when you're talking about head coach selection and all. All that other stuff you kind of will work out how we're going to figure out, you know, who ultimately has control. But if you're in a situation where you're forcing players on the field that a coach doesn't want or a coach is playing players that you know you you don't want, you're probably doomed to fail anyway. Yeah. How do you talk to – I think one of the one of the reasons you've had – I was going to say, Lewis, I think one of the reasons watching on TV – you resonate is because you say what you think and you say it very directly. A lot of times people that are hiring a new GM or a new coach, it's because they have not had success. What's your philosophy on how you talk to mm-hmm. the owner of a team who's saying, why haven't we had success? And part of the reason, you know, you have to tell them to their face why you think they've been failing in a, in a, in a way, right? How, how do you, yeah. do you tell them that? Like, what yeah, do you do? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, get, I, I see your point. That's a good question because a lot of time, what you're saying is, well, why would they believe you? You know, if you don't have a track record of having done it yourself, you know, well, then, you know, most any first time GM can say the same thing. But then you could say, well, but they were with an organization that, you know, maybe not, had, had some success. Well, you don't know how much that guy was actually responsible for them having success. Right. Just like if an organization had a bunch of failures, you don't know how much that guy was actually dissenting from the prevailing opinion. And maybe they would have had more success if they were listening to that guy. I guess what you have to do 
is is this I, I i think and this is where it come it becomes imperative that the people who are doing the hiring also have to have a certain level of competency about when you know to know when they're hearing the thing that makes sense and when they're being fed a bunch of bs okay so they have to do their work too right so they, they have to be they have to be knowledgeable about the game too and maybe that's where some teams struggle like they like people go in there and just kind of Tell them a bunch of things that sound real good and sound like, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'll hire you. I like this guy. And next thing you know, they've come to find out that they're not that good. Well, one of the things that I that I always try to impress on people, and hopefully they believe what I'm saying and they can go and talk to these same people, is that, and I've said this all along, I was lucky enough to be coached by the greatest NFL coach of all time, and probably the greatest college football coach of all time at the same time. And everything that I believe about football really comes from what those guys taught me. Everything that I learned about the managerial side of the game comes from one guy who's in the hall of fame and another guy who's going to go to a hall of fame, Joe Gibbs when I was in Washington and Andy, when we were in Philadelphia. So if you want to talk to Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, Joe Gibbs, Andy Reid, and then anyone else underneath those people who have been, there have been some really successful people, you can verify with them whether or not I know what I, they believe I know what I'm talking about. So that that's kind of how it goes, right? Because I don't have a track record of actually building a team. So, I mean, you're, I mean, I guess, you know, what you're saying is, well, why would an owner believe what you're saying? Well, I guess, you know, that that's kind of like how it goes. I mean, you, you just you have to kind of put together a very rock solid, fundamentally sound plan from A to Z about why you would turn their team around and why you think they've, they've, uh, haven't achieved. And then they have to go back and ask some of the people that you've worked with. Hey, we really believe that this guy sounds very, very competent. Do you share the same sentiments? And you just hope that those people tell you, tell them the same thing and that, yeah, they're worth taking the chance on to try and build your program and turn it around. And, you know, if you're going after one of these jobs, you just hope that that's the case. Do you always feel good? I mean, when the thing ends, I mean, have you had are the experiences always different or would you say they're pretty similar every time? I'll, I'll speak to this year. I, I, this year in particular, every experience when I come out, when I, when I've been done, John, honest, honestly, I felt like that's about as good as I could do. Yeah. Because the questions were good, the the back and forth was really good, and I think right now I'm honestly I'm at the peak of well not the peak because you're always learning you're always improving, but right now I'm at a pretty good spot I feel as far as what I think about the game, both on the field and off the field. I'm at a pretty good spot, and a lot of that has to do I I have to you know give thanks to ESPN because of being on Monday night and doing college football last year and covering the draft the way I do, I've been able to look at so many different things and talk to so many different people that and compile so many different ideas and go, yeah, I really like this one. Or I don't necessarily like that one from some of the best minds in the game, man. I mean, you know, it's like to just kind of get on the phone and talk football with Sean McVay for 30 minutes. I mean, what is it like? You get overloaded. Yeah, well, I don't know. What, what is, is it like? Are you, are you, are you, you know, a big I mean, McVay guy? I mean, you, you, I mean, you get overloaded with stuff. I mean, he, he's, I mean, he's freaking brilliant. He's brilliant. If you listen to Brandon Staley talk about defense, his defensive coordinator, 
This guy is next level when it comes to knowing how to defend the passing game and create matchups. You talk to you talk to Kyle Shanahan. He is next level as far as being real with players about balancing your need to be a family man and an individual as well as being a professional. And that, there's a reason why his team plays as hard as it does because they feel as though he cares about that stuff. That's, that's a big part of being a, a leader and a head coach and a manager too. You can't always – it can't always just be like boss, employee. At some point in time, you have to be able to relate to people like, you're a man, I'm a man. You're a man, I'm a – whatever it is, a man, woman, woman, woman. You have to be able to relate to people on a level of, hey, we're all human beings too. And he can do that. And he'll tell you he takes great pride in that. And the players will tell you that too. And that that's so- – those are all the things, man, that – I, I've been so fortunate to be able to talk to different guys about Mike talk. You want to have a, you want to have an, a conversation with someone who you literally come out of the conversation going, man, I just need to do something like right now, something active. I need to be successful at something. Talk to Mike Tomlin for just 10 minutes. It's incredible. He is the same way you see him at his press conferences. That's how the guy talks. I mean, you're just like on the edge of your seat. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's he's that he's that inspiring. He really is. Don't you think then this year for you talking to all these guys, maybe you didn't know that well personally, is kind of a good experience. You talk to Tomlin one day and Kyle the next day, or you know, week, and yeah, realize there are no a lot question. of different ways to do this thing. You know, no question. That's the beauty of it. It's like being at a freaking football convention. I know where all these guys are giving presentations. It would like be, it's like being at be, it would be like being at the ultimate NFL seminar where each coach gets to talk, give you a little bit of background about them and why they think football the way they do, what they think about player relationships, all that stuff, and you just sit there and just take notes, and then fire back questions back and forth. I mean that's that's why I'm saying see you see John you know this when you're in on an NFL team and you're in an NFL scouting department or whatever or just on a coaching staff. You're in a cocoon, man. Yeah, a bubble. You don't see anybody else. You don't talk to anybody else. You don't ask other people about football and all this stuff. You're just worrying about surviving from one week to the next. You're just trying to get home and get a couple hours of sleep so you can come back to the facility the next day and do it again and again and again. And look, that's the life you live and that's the life you accept. But... If you can, if you actually had the time to get out and talk to other people, there's a lot of good football knowledge out there, and I have been able to soak up more than I can than I can handle sometimes. I mean, it's it's a lot, it's a lot. But I, I've that's why I'm saying if you if every coach could do that, or every personnel person could do that, you'll be infinitely better. You know what's, what's funny about that too? Like you mentioned Arthur Smith, and every time we start talking about job openings, it's the first thing most people do is you start rattling off all the offensive play callers, and you go, "Okay, mm-hmm. is, does he call plays, and will he call plays for me?" Half mm-hmm. of the half of the teams in the in the NF in the playoffs that are playing this weekend do not have offensive play caller head coach. Half of them, it's either a defensive right. coach or just a coach who a more CEO, yeah. right? Like Harbaugh or Tomlin. Yeah. Sure. 
Uh, and everything you're saying about some of these guys, like what you said about Kyle Shanahan, who is the offensive play caller, what you said about him as his best quality was not his offensive play calling necessarily, right? Yeah. So do you think, we're, are we over, like all the McVay guys, all the Shanahan guys, are we almost to some degree overvaluing offensive play callers right now? Of, of course we are. Of course. And But that's because that's the only thing that people can see and really evaluate these guys on is how many points is 49er offense scoring? Man, that running game looks good. Look at all that motion he uses. Oh, my God. And that's I want a coach that does that. They don't see all this stuff behind the scenes. They don't see all the stuff that truly – look, obviously, scheme strategies and tactics, your competency in the game is important. You can't have a guy coming out there and, like, lining up in the wing tee and just running the football, but, you know, like we used to when I was in Pop Warner. Obviously, you can't do that. But – so you need a certain level of competency, and you have to be able to evaluate guys based off of that. But the thing that is the hardest for people to really do and understand and know about coaches and what and is how they relate to players and communicate to players and bring along guys who are 21, 22, 23 years old from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different you know socioeconomic backgrounds, family situations, have different stresses going on in their lives when they leave the facility, all kinds of different stuff. How can they bring all that together, keep all these guys moving in the same direction, coaching them through their ups and downs, coaching the coaches through their ups and downs, keeping the whole building moving in the same direction where if you're having, again, when you're having success, making sure people aren't kind of all of a sudden just wanting what's good for them, or when you're starting to have you know some 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 downfalls that you have all kinds of people backstabbing the organization and doing stuff that isn't good for the organization behind your back, how do you get all those all those different areas to stay behind you, or rather just walk in lockstep with you and stay on the same path and not have it go sideways? How do you recognize when you have a guy who can do that? You can't recognize that looking at GSIS or stats pass and looking out how many yards per attempt their quarterback's averaging. So, yeah, there's no question that those are the things that are the hardest to assess. I mean, every cut, it's funny, you know, we keep coming back to Kyle. When we talked to him uh, before that um, Buffalo. It was the game, Bills game. Yeah, when they had moved, they had just gotten to Arizona. And he was saying, you know, one of the first questions that every owner asks when you're getting hired and getting interviewed to be a head coach is, how, how do we build a culture? How do we build a championship culture? How do you build the culture? What's the secret? He said, everybody just wants this, you know, this absolutely ironclad question. He's like, there is no ironclad, like, answer to that. There is no one-size-fits-all to that. But he had a great answer about that. He said, you know what? If you find enough people there, who really come to the realization that I don't want to do anything else but football. This is what I want to do. You have a pretty good shot because those guys will do, will be the ones who truly are first in the building. They want to hang around the building. They don't want to leave the building. They're not going to compromise their ability to play the game when they go home by hanging out all night, smoking weed, doing drugs, chasing women, doing stupid stuff. And they're going to be back at that facility the next day, and they're going to want to be around their guys. They're going to be accountable to their guys. They're going to want to play her because they don't want to come off the field. All those things. And he said himself, during the pandemic, when the pandemic first hit and everything started getting locked down, he said it was cool for a couple of days, a couple of weeks. 
play some golf, you know, you're at home with the kids and the wife, everybody's happy, you know, oh, this is not so bad. Then he said after a couple of weeks, he's like, damn, I miss football. Like, I miss it. And that's that's what you want. That's what builds culture. So how do you find the guy? Okay, how do you truly find the guy as a head coach or as a player? Who I mean, John, I mean, you know this, right? When you ask him, when you interview a kid at uh, at the combine, what are the things that are most important to you? God, family, football. You know, that's usually the answer, right? In that order. Hey, God, family, football. It's like, okay, all right, what's really important to you? Tell me. Working out. That's that's what. Yeah, I mean, that's what you're trying to figure out. That's the kind of thing that you're trying to figure out. And it, it was it was neat this year. Like when you when you talk to guys like Kyle, you talk to guys like Sean McDermott, um, you talk to guys like Sean and Brandon Staley and uh, Mike Tomlin and look, Kevin Stefanski. I mean, these these guys. I mean, Wink Martindale at Baltimore. These guys are just, I mean, these are all names of guys. I mean, Stefanski and Tomlin aren't going anywhere, obviously. But, like, Martindale's going to be up for a head coach. Dayball's going to be up for a head coach. I mean, all these guys, you, you, I, I've been able to talk to them and talk about, like, just what, what does the game mean to them? These guys are all lifers, man. This, that's all they want to do. And quite honestly, they don't want to learn anything else. They don't want to learn how to do something else. They just want the game and need the game. And not and not in a bad way. Not in if I don't play football, I'm just going to go lay you know lay out in the street and shrivel up. But they need the game, and I think that's what you're. That's really what that's really what separates the you know the the average from the good, the good from the great, the great from the unique. How much do you need it? How much? How much? If you didn't have it, would you be okay without it? Okay, I don't want to keep you all night, but I, I'm going to piggyback on the Kyle thing. Yeah, I think well, sometimes... you're, you're, we've already been on here for what? An hour? <laughs> I know. We, we give One Kyle more hour and it's a GM interview. <laughs> we give Kyle shit sometimes because he like the way you just described that is kind of like a Matt Ryan, like a Kirk Cousins. Just all you just you don't have to worry about. And they've been lucky, right? Fred Warner and George Kittle fall under that. And yeah. those guys, I mean, George Kittle was begging to come back and they let him come back. Exactly. Fred Warner, Fred Warner's playing like the Super Bowl in a meaningless game week 17. Exactly. But eventually, and you know this, you get into a point in a draft where you're like, yeah, this guy's way better, but you know, his character stuff. How do you balance? Like when you get asked this question, you're not going to have a no policy, right? Like we work with Andy. He's pretty open-minded with that stuff. Kyle sure. to me is not as open-minded with that. How do you strike a balance or is every individual just that situation? You take it for what it is and just go from there. You can always make exceptions, John. You are you an exception a, guy or are you, you are you more close minded nowadays? You can have a few. No, what's funny is the, after you have kids, <laughs> you have kids. And especially when you have girls like I yeah. have, you become a lot more open minded about things. <laughs> You know, you start you start realizing how much you don't know, and you, and you kind of like give people more chances. But no, you can have exceptions. As I think it was Bill Parcells who said that you just can't have a team full of exceptions, hmm. right? So there's a, and you know this. There's a difference between personal character and football character. Okay, there's people who run afoul of good decision making, or rather, who don't exercise good decision making. That has nothing to do with the game. Right. So maybe they have family situations or they run with a crowd that sometimes could subject them to stuff that they shouldn't be doing off the field. Right. And 
maybe you can rein those guys back in and kind of, you know, express to them, hey, look, keep doing that. And the thing that you do love, the thing that you will invest in, the thing that you do need the most, you won't be able to do anymore. And let's play the game and be around your buddies and put on this uniform. When you have guys, though, that don't want to come in and work, don't want to study, don't want to lift, don't want to be around their teammates, don't really like the game, but they're good at the game. So they play the game. You have to hopefully you can you can figure out who those guys are. Then it just becomes a, a question of value. You don't want those guys being drafted in rounds one, two, and three. Those are the rounds five, six, and seven dudes who have great physical skills, maybe. And maybe something clicks on with them. Maybe. And maybe you take a shot on them now and then. But if they have bad football character, don't want to rehab, don't want to lift, mistreatments, miss weight room time, miss all that. Look, you don't have time for guys who don't really care about the game. But knuckleheads who make some mistakes off the field, you're hoping with maturity and giving guys second chances that they can they can right their wrongs. And you're right, Andy has done wonders with people like that. Wonders. One of the best wide receivers in the league right now, most teams didn't have on their board in Tyreek. But Andy will tell you, he's this one of the smartest guys on their team. He's never sure. had an issue with him personally. He loves him. He loved the guy. Sure. Then they just had to figure out the off the field. He had his football character was a plus plus, you know? Sure. Sure. So, I mean, there's there's a lot to it. And then there's there's ways you can help, help guys with the maturation process. I mean, I don't know about you, but I was 21, 22. I definitely, I didn't know. I thought I knew, so I don't know anything. So you need to kind of surround people surround those guys with things in the football operation in the player development part of the football operation that can help them mature quicker so they can make better decisions off the field in particular in transition from going from being broke and hopefully having five dollars in their pocket so they can go to two dollar big mac night on campus to making millions of dollars and having the whole world thrown at them that's a totally different lifestyle change but some guys don't handle it well so you got to help them didn't Deion Sanders take you to a party your rookie year up in a hotel or something? I remember you telling no, me a story about that. He didn't take me to no parties. No, we we used to have a party. We used to have a big deal. As a matter of fact, he just talked about it on um on on Instagram. He did this thing. That he was he, he just showed this little clip about how you know he used to we used to have a fine system for bad play. We used to have to put five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars for getting beat for a touchdown, whatever it was. And then they used all that money at the end of the year to have a party, to go to dinner and then have a party. And actually, it was pretty cool. You know, it's funny. I remember, I remember Bobby April told me that for all the fluff and the BS with Dion, he said he was always the first guy at practice, and he was always the first guy in my meeting room asking questions and taking notes. He's like, don't don't get it fooled. Like, Dion was a grinder. Yeah, I don't know about the notes part. Maybe he did. <laughs> I mean, I Maybe Bobby made the notes I part I up. I know this. I do know that. Well, he didn't have to because he was just so much better than everyone else. Yeah. I do know this though, as a worker on the practice field, nobody got after it like him. He shut down everybody. He'd be pissed if you caught a single pass on him. Oh, he was he was legit. He's he's the best athlete. Yeah, he's the best athlete I ever played with ever. He ran a four four backwards, he didn't he? huh? Didn't he ran a four four backwards or claimed he could? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He run. The, didn't he run the forty at the combine? Just left. He ran. He ran, he ran a four. He ran a four two at the combine in somebody else's shoes. Yeah, and didn't he say he just ran out the door? And just said, yeah. "See you guys later." He said, he took his, yeah, he took his stuff off and left. Yeah. 
He said, okay, I'm not doing what? anything else. Thank you. <laughs> he said he, he was at, he had the comment. He told this is when rookies, there was no rookie rate, uh, wage scale. It's when he went on TV and said, I'm going to ask for so much money. They're going to have to put me on layaway. <laughs> That's a good one. No wonder he's already recruiting well. No, he he was he's Dion's one of the best man. He's one of the best. He he's a good friend and he's been very supportive of me with this whole GM thing. He always goes on like my stuff on Instagram. And he'll just he'll, in the comments he'll just put GM and that's it. <laughs> well, if, it, if a GM job doesn't work out, you can go be his recruiting coordinator at Jackson State. No, I think I think I have a pretty good job right now. That pays probably a lot more yeah. than Jackson State. Well, Terrell Owens, I saw the, the initial staff. It never came together. I don't think they all joined him. Remember when that broke? Warren Sapp, T.O., none of those well, guys I can, went. I, I can tell you this, though. I can tell you this. Dion will get he'll, – he'll get plenty of people to coach with him. That guy, I agree. He's, he's, de- hey, he's dead serious now. I, I promise you that program is going to be humming. He will not have it any other way. I guarantee you. He's already getting players from what I've seen, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course. I mean, you, he – he didn't even have to say anything that he had for these kids. No. They're like, you Deion Sanders? Done. <laughs> Done. I'm coming. Okay, Lou. Well, uh, when you get your job, I better be your first call. I'm ready to be the assistant GM. Hey, I don't know. Also, I got to scrub, scrub my Twitter account about whatever that team is. I probably bashed them. But you too. <laughs> yeah, you, you, know? you, you become a little bit of a shock job on Twitter, dude. No, Sometimes look I've... at your stuff and go, just look at you. I may have to take you up to the pizza shop in Bethlehem and give you a little talking to again just so you can yeah. kind of get, remind you of old times. Lehigh Valley, baby. You know it. You know it. <laughs> okay, thanks, Lou. Yep. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.